Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another really cool episode of the Area 13 eBikes podcast. If you're new to the show, this is the place where you can learn all about electric bikes, products related to them, and most importantly, the people behind the scenes. Today's guest has focused on helping people design their electric bike their way. We discuss that process, batteries, plus electric bike laws, and regulations from our perspective in the industry. We got a new model. It's the Model D for dual motor or double motor. But then we realized, well, we can actually offer this on all our models. Any customer can say, well, you know what? I've got a Model S. I'd like to have a front motor as well. Sean Lepton-Smith is the owner of the electric bike company, and he joins us today. This is the Area 13 eBikes podcast. Today, Sean Lupton-Smith, the owner and founder of the Electric Bike Company, is joining us today on the Area 13 eBikes podcast. Thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Sean, with the Electric Bike Company, you focused a lot on cruiser-style bikes. And I see that you're actually a USA custom-built electric cruiser, that you're really focusing on materials, local bike builders. And what's really unique is that people get to choose and customize these bikes with whatever color they want, which is really the sky's the limit with all of these colors. Yes, exactly. You know, we saw the advancement of e-bikes and a lot of the you know, manufacturing of that done sort of in Asia and other parts of the world. And we found, we found it very important to actually build our own bikes. And so not only have the ability to have the tools and the parts and the experts here and sort of stateside, but we also wanted to do something that was more unique than just another sort of product that was out there. And one of the things we found was the personalizing and the, and the customizing, the uniqueness of a customer experience. Being able to offer that, we, uh, we found that we needed to start from scratch. So really, you know, we get the parts from you know, obviously all around the world, sort of I think it's 17 different countries, including the USA. They have all the parts here, and then we wait until the person goes online, and they can then design, design their bike with all the different colors. I mean, we've got 39 different colors that they can choose from, very popular, or they can send in their own unique sort of color that they prefer, all colors, you know, unlimited. They send those codes to us or the swatches to us. We match those up, and then we paint the bikes first we paint the frame the fork the fender the chain guard the back rack the baskets the inliners the rims whatever part of the bike that the customer chooses online and then we go ahead and start building it and we build it according to their specifications with tire sizes and tire types and you know seats and grips and trim and all the other options that are there and then we test it inspect it and we ship it fully built to our over just about 150 dealers we have now or directly to the customer fully built, which also adds to that experience of not only personalizing, customizing their own design and their own bike, but they also get the bike that's already been tested, inspected, and is ready to ride when they get it. I noticed that too. That was something that Kyle mentioned that he really liked about the electric bike company is that the bikes do arrive fully assembled, which makes it easy to just get on the bike and ride. And we've actually reviewed some of your bikes before and even built them. So recently I did a YouTube video, which was a live build of a dual motor, dual throttle e-bike. Can you tell me a little bit more about that project? Yes. 
Yeah, one of the things we looked at, and you know, we constantly, you know, having 14 engineers on staff, mechanical and electrical, you know, a lot of what we do is we, although we don't assemble the actual pack itself, we do the whole casing and all the wiring and all the connectors and everything that's from the actual pack. So from the cells, the way that they are attached, you know, with the nickel plating, we spec all that, that is pure nickel and that the BMS, the battery management system, spec to our specifications and our use. But we take that actually pack and you know, and then we then we we insert that into our battery casing. And having that knowledge of how connectors or how the battery is connected and how it's connected to our charger and to our controller and all the wiring allowed us to really have a real good understanding of every part of the operation of the bike. And what we found was, and you know, one of the things. You know, me being from South Africa and, you know, we follow Tesla quite a lot and you probably see some of the parallels between, you know, the models. We've got, you know, the Model C, S, X and Y. And so we, we kind of really enjoy what they are doing as far as technologically advancing their product to stay ahead of the game. And one of the things we try and stay ahead of the e-bike game in that, in that way and building our own bike sort of allows us to have that real in-depth knowledge of that and having all our engineers right here in the US and some really talented folks. And they came up with the idea, kind of like the all-wheel drive, the new truck, the cyber truck that they have. You know, you can choose two wheels, three wheels, or four-wheel drive. And we thought, well, if they're doing that, how's it working? How's the wiring working? How does the controller work? How does the, how does the throttling work? How does the, how does the display work? How does all this technology work? And how can we incorporate that into our bike? And we thought, well, no one's really doing an efficient, effective, beautiful, reliable, safe, dual uh, motor bike. There are a few people that are sort of hovering around it, but it seems to be there's some technical difficulties because, you know, you've got, to, you've got to coordinate and you've got to sort of time the rear wheel with the front wheel with us delving deeply into the technology of that, making sure the timing was all right and the, and the rider experience was perfect. We came up with the idea, well, instead of having one controller controlling both motors, why don't we have a controller controlling the rear motor and a controller controlling the front motor? So do two different systems, because typically, typical riding, and especially on our bikes, because they're kind of cruiser bikes, they're not sort of racing bikes and mountain bikes and all these other, you know, high performance bikes, they're cruiser bikes. Typically, you only really do between sort of 150 and 250 watts of regular riding, which a single rear motor can easily, easily do. But sometimes if you're living in San Francisco, you're living in, you know, Colorado, in the hills, really, really hilly area, sometimes you need that extra power just to get you up the hill, or you're using it to carry a lot of cargo. And it would be nice, 5%, 10% of your riding, that you've got this extra sort of power that you can use and you don't need to use it all the time so it can be completely disconnected to your regular riding hence still use the common one motor per bike but then you have this option to have the second front motor and because we got the unique front basket for a model y with the batteries in the basket it was very easy for us to incorporate this into our into our product so we started saying, okay, well, listen, we've got, a new, we've got a new model. It's the Model D for dual motor or double motor. Or, but then we realized, well, we can actually offer this on all our models. Any customer can say, well, you know what? I've got a Model S. 
I'd like to have a front motor as well. I've got a Model R, I'd like to have a front motor as well. So we then changed all our wiring and the way that we set up the bikes that our customers then could choose any one of these options on any one of their models. Interesting. So then with the dual throttle, dual motor setup on any of these bikes, I would think you would need to upgrade the battery. So I know you offer those options as well when you're going through the design process. Is that something that you suggest as well? Yes, correct. We, the nice, again, the nice thing about having all the options on our batteries and the way we put our battery cases together ourselves is, you know, we can get up to about 250 miles of range. So basically two kilowatt hours of battery capacity on our bikes. Because the way that we set up our bikes, you can either have a back a battery case of sort of 20 amp hours. You can have a, a down to battery also of about 14, 15 amp hours. And then you can actually have your battery inside your basket of also actually we can go all the way up to 30 amp hours. So in total, you can get about 60 amp hours if you set up your bike correctly. Now, if you do the regular calculation that you take your amp hours and you times it by two to get your range just using throttle, so if you've got 60 amp hours, you can get about over 100 miles just using throttle. And if you use that sort of back of the napkin calculation, you times that by two on pedal assist. You can get well over 200 miles on pedal assist. So we have those options for customers to average um, riding is just you know 40 to 50 miles. They can choose one. And of course, then they can just go 50, 70, 100, 150, 200, 220. I think our highest on our website is 240 if you do different kinds of um, modification. So yes, uh, one of the main things is because we've modified the headset, and we can sort of integrate all our wiring through the modified headset, we've been able to attach the basket to the frame, which makes the frame and the basket a lot more sturdy and doesn't compromise your steering or your handling. And in fact, it balances the bike out nicely, especially with the back motor. We have the ability to not only add to our rear rack basket a battery and our down tube battery, but we can also add to our basket battery. So that's allowed us to have these two separate systems, completely separate. One is a traditional setup, and then with the dual motor, it will have, you know, and, and we obviously going through, and we can talk more about that, all this sort of you know, nuances of actually launching a product like that, having it that it's also in the front basket. And having the dual throttle, instead of having one throttle, you know, one throttle is sort of cumbersome to be able to then select, okay, well, I'm going to select using the front baskets on this ride, and then you've got to go through a whole selection on your display. We thought it's so much easier for the customer. Typically what they would have, they'd have a derailleur. You know, they'd have a derailleur either on the left-hand side, typically, or on the right-hand side, but typically on the left-hand side, they have a throttle on the right-hand side. Now, a derailleur on, a, on an electric bike is, is useful to a certain extent, and some people really like that. But if you've got dual motor, why not instead of having the derailleur, have a throttle on that side? And like your derailleur, you just choose when you want to use it. So hence, we had not only the dual motor option, but we had the dual throttle option. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So then with all of that power that you've got into the dual throttle, dual motor, would you have a minimum battery requirement? Like you wouldn't want to say, oh, sure, you can choose the smallest. I would think that you would want to make sure that they're getting the minimum and you don't allow them to choose anything less than what you recommend. Correct. Our minimum is basically a 10 amp hour battery. It's the whole thing with the battery management system and making sure that it balances with your current output for your controller. 
and to make sure that the motor then can actually you know sustain a certain amount of power. So yes, we do a 10 amp hour, 48 volt minimum battery requirements, but you can go 20, you can go 10 amp hour, 20 amp hour, or 30 amp hour just for that front motor. And, and as I say, you know, this is still to get rolled out. We've got a few other things that we're going to work out and which we can discuss further. But you know, those will be the minimum. The minimum will be a 10 amp hour, 48 volt front motor option. Yeah, let's talk about that. So how is that going? I know that you're in the works. You had put something out there and then decided to redesign some things. Can you tell me a little bit more? Yes, as I said, we, we are cruiser style bike. We're not a high performance. We, we don't want to go into the sort of racer style um, setup. We, we're not really into, you know, motorbike grade sort of performance, although we could quite easily do that. We feel that we want to stay within the bicycle category. So the e-bike category without a license registration and insurance and VIN numbers and all the rest of the stuff. So it was it was really important for us to take a deep dive, total look at where we not only see where the regulation is at the moment, but where it's going to in the future. We only do sealed bearings, for instance. We only do hydraulic disc brakes. We do most of our frames and our um, you know, chain stays and, and seat stays and the way that we set up our our frames are instead of 1.5 millimeters thick, they go all the way up to three millimeters thick. So we sort of set up our bike to be super reliable and super comfortable, but also really, really safe. So with our front and back lights, the standard on our bikes with the reflective sidewalls, with the puncture resistant tires, with, with a bunch of safety. So safety has always been paramount for electric bike company. And it is you know, a lot easier to a certain extent for us because we're just really in the cruising style business. But it's really important. The reliability and the safety and the sturdiness of our bikes have been key. Adding another motor is we, you know, we, we were very excited about the product and we were like, oh, I mean, this is the way the future is going to be. But you know, we looked at everything. We said, you know, let's make sure that we are able to supply all 50 states with all the different regulations that are either in place or coming in, in place. And we want to make sure that everybody knows you know, listen, you've got a little bit more power here, make sure that you check with your local authorities that that's actually sufficient or it's legal enough to be ridden on the road and not off-road or, you know, ridden without a VIN number, with, with a VIN number, or with a license, without a license. So, so far, our bikes, our cruiser bikes are, you know, well within those limits. But adding a second a motor, we thought, you know what, what we'll do is we'll hold back on launching that until we feel really comfortable that we are, we can allow our customers, if they buy the bike in California, then they can go to Arizona, then or if they move to you know New York City, or if they go to these different states with their bike, that they know how, they know all the information, it's regulated, they can have it legalized or legally in the particular states around the country. And, you know, there's obviously there's Europe, and they have different rules, so we wanted to make sure that our bikes can cover all the different regulations, depending on the programming, depending on how we do our wiring, depending on the output of the motor, depending on all the different information. So we felt that the dual motor, we feel so strongly about safety that a lot, lot of people are coming out with more and more high powered. You know, our motors are well, 500 watt motors. And, you know, I know that the, the limit says 750 or whatever it is. But there's all these kind of wishy-washy sort of outputs. 
Some people say it's all about speed regulation. Some people say it's about power regulation. Some people say it's about both. Some states are different with their output regulation. Some people are, you know, pedal assist is one. Some people say no throttles on that. So it's kind of all over the show. We feel that we're the leader in the e-bike, you know, the cruiser e-bike space. And I think we have the responsibility to be able to you know, launch products when we've done all the research. Everything is just, we, we live and learn as well. But we feel that in the future, two years down the road, four years down the road, five years down the road, we want to make sure that our bikes are well within all the legal requirements, but also safety requirements. And we feel we've done that very, very well with our products. You know, we get a lot of really good feedback, like all from our reviewers like yourselves and all the people that are out in the marketplace. But I feel that some of the brands might be pressing and pushing that boundary. And although I'm not a big believer in regulation, I'm not a big believer or over-regulation. I do still think that there should be safety regulations within different classes. So, you know, you want the customer to still have the choice. If he wants to ride, you know, buy a super powerful, you know, 1300cc motorbike, you know, let him buy it. But, you know, there's risks associated with that and he needs to understand that and that needs to be made clear. And same with the e-bike or scooters or Vespas or motorbikes. You know, there needs to be a certain you know, amount of just class regulation, I think, more than actually overall regulating of, you know, the entire industry. So we being, you know, and being on this podcast and, and being on some, you know, talk shows and being on some kind of, you know, different uh, you know, websites and, and people asking and press and that, how do you think the future of the e-bike business is going to go? I'm a proponent of not over-regulating, but at least having some type of regulation as more and more brands come to market and that there are certain sectors that are protected or to a certain extent, at least there's a well-known segment. You know, you in a specifically a class one segment, you in specifically class two, class three, all, all classes, or up to it's a speed-related thing or a throttle-related thing or motor output-related thing, or, you know, there's a whole bunch that I think really needs to be buttoned up. And I think it's coming. It's, it'll, it'll, it'll be more and more sort of necessary as people that really have not, you know, we've had almost 12 years of experience when we started the R&D of this business, nine years, I think it is now, of actually trading. And, you know, I think four to five years of actually leading in the, in the, in the, the cruiser business. So, yeah, as I say, I think we've got that responsibility and we'd like to be part of it. Yeah, and you take a very active role in all of this. E-bikes are definitely in the news, and as people are getting rid of their cars because of gas prices and other reasons, they are often also moving closer to cities. So being able to have a bike like a beach cruiser and still be able to get around without exhausting yourself is really important to most people. Also, though, with e-bike laws, it's unfortunately very muddy, as you mentioned, there's so many areas that are different. You can ride here, you can't ride here. And it's really not clear as to, is this a class one? Even that information has been muddy with information on the internet and the classes are being assigned, but then the states have different ideas. And then the cities within the states have different ideas. And it would be nice to have some sort of uniformity where people in the industry and even outside of the industry understood e-bikes more about what they are and what they aren't correct you know one of the things as a obviously a business owner and as a brand ambassador and also as an e-bike enthusiast there's a lot of 
you know, motive. There's a, there's a sort of obviously motive. The more people I feel on safe, responsible electric bikes, the better. But there's also, and, and you know, sometimes uh, you, you want to make sure your focus of developing that industry is in the right place. And I think, you know, there's sometimes, a, you know, a, a partnership that needs to be formed between regulators and sort of users and manufacturers and brand people. So, you know, again, that balance between growing this sector, but also making it safe includes infrastructure. If anything, I have a real passion about, passion about, you know, I've got a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old and a 7-year-old. They're all, you know, my seven-year-old doesn't he rides on the back of my electric bike, but they're out there on their bikes. And I'm very passionate about the safety part. And I'd say that like the majority of it, funny enough, is actually has got to do with, with infrastructure. So what we want to make sure as we evolve this as an industry, and you guys, you know, Area 13 also with, with, with Bolton Bikes in the past, and now it's a new fantastic brand. I think you guys are also part of that evolution. And to ensure that let's not, lose sight of the fact i mean yes some people can overdo it you can get these sort of high performance people that you know sell a bike that goes 100 miles calling it a, a electric bike primarily that's a, that's probably a moped or an, a, a motorbike let's not muddy that up too much and you know let's get that all regulated and make it as clear as possible it is tricky electricity is a funny thing and uh, anybody that's taken a, a live wire and cut it with a pair of scissors or something understands that it's, it's more powerful than it looks. And, you know, we all get to understand that down the road. But also, let's not focus, you focus on that, but also let's focus, let's not let the regulators sort of, not that they get away with it, but let's, let's partner up and say, hey, this is something that's, that's not going away. More and more people see the value in it. And the, 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 the cost effectiveness of it's going down, the utility of it's going down, the green, the, the, the green energy part of it is fantastic. As a people mover around the world, not only just for fun and adventure, but just for utility is fantastic. But along with that, if the regulators and all the guys and the whole team as, as a partnership can increase the infrastructure, which is a lot more probably you know, expensive and, and more investments needed and takes a lot longer than just to, just to regulate, Let's balance that out, that we don't either throw the baby out of the bathwater type of thing, but we work together and we say, okay, the regulation goes to a certain, a certain degree and then infrastructure goes to a certain... And as this evolves, more and more specifics and control and regulation can sort of parallel that movement. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. And really, it's about making sure that everyone is educated. There are even places within my city where they are adding rules that say, oh, you know, an e-bike is just like a scooter or it's just like a motorcycle or a Segway. And they're kind of viewing us as an enemy when really, if we just learn to work together and everyone is educated, then it will be a much more cohesive experience. And I think laws, e-bike laws in general, have become a bigger topic, especially since I hate to use this word, but especially since the pandemic hit, right? Electric bike sales increased. They increased like crazy. People were trying to get outside. They wanted exercise. They were getting cabin fever and more and more people were working from home. So I think that that whole idea of what is an e-bike, where can I ride it? I think some of the people that are making those determinations of where you can 
ride your bike are maybe not completely educated on on what it really is and the benefits. Yes, and I I really appreciate having this chat and more and more people are yet uh, proponents and, and, and some against it. I, I think COVID was like really interesting. I think a lot of industries, you know, travel industry and you know, people working from home and, you know, excessive travel when it wasn't necessary or, you know, communicating over the uh, online, more efficient ways of using things. But for the e-bike business, it was, it was amazing. And for electric bike company, it was good and bad and a few things. But mostly, I think it made us aware that, of course, we had supply chain issues and we had hiring issues and we had, you know, retail openings and closings and all the kind of different challenges with COVID. But one of the nice things is we kind of got this industry really pumping because you're right, they had cabin fever, people wanted to get out, they couldn't travel internationally or traveling was a little bit um, restricted. And having a bike going out on the on the road and being part of the family, you could still do some fun and adventures and make the best of a bad situation. But it also allowed the industry to t- kind of evolve almost under the radar, if you want to call it, in a, in a certain way. Because sometimes new and, and exciting things are sometimes quickly stifled and, and uh, there's just so much focus. But because of COVID, you know, it was understood and people were out. Now that the restrictions have, on COVID have basically almost zero, but, you know, are, are, are lessened, the restrictions now and the highlighting of what you're saying, that so the, the, the expansion of e-bikes is now in the focus line. So let's leave the focus on, you know, on the COVID side. So now we can lose more of the focus on how we're going to manage this new exciting industry. And once people, like you're saying, if they learn it, if you've got a person at 35 years old that's an Ironman expert, he's going to look at e-bikes one way. A 16-year-old that cannot get his license and that needs to get to you know, school or to college would look at e-bikes in a completely different light. Somebody that might be using, that's a green you know, fan and wants everything sort of you know, clean energy and, and can afford a car, wants to use his transportation vehicle with cargo, will look at e-bikes in another way. And sort of underprivileged folks, you know, I'd started this electric bike company business, you know, in force. basically I'd retired from the from the restaurant business. And I thought, well, it's mobility is, you know, I'm a big believer in mobility is the is the path to prosperity. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Southern Africa, being from South Africa, I thought, well, listen, you need to get these people. People are spending two, three, four hours walking and uh, commuting to and from work and hospitals and schools. Why not give them a bicycle? And this is 12 years ago now. Then the electric bike, I looked at electric bikes. And I said, this is the way to do it. And something that's not, you know, fashionable, that goes in and out of fashion, like the restaurant business, you know, all these different food styles and, you know, high fiber and then low fat and then, you know, Mediterranean and blah, blah, blah. Really, we just wanted to do something that is that is sturdy, secure, that needs very little maintenance. And that people, the underprivileged countries can actually then use affordable transportation to mobilize themselves and get prosperity. And I feel that if e-bikes, e-bikes are such an unbelievable sector that circumvents so many other things, almost like what the cell phone did and what wireless communication has done, what the internet has done, e-bikes, if we really manage this growth process well, and America being the leader in a lot of those kinds of thought processes, if we manage this process, not only for the fun side of it and for the, as I say, the adventure side of it and just to have this bike in your garage, 
But if we really develop this, it's not only going to make transportation in first world countries great, but also in underprivileged countries. And if somebody, if people really understand the incredible growth opportunities in the sector, I think then the, the, the over-regulation or the sort of restricting and stifling of this fun, sort of endless growth sector, you know, there will be a balance between that and everybody will probably succeed. Yeah. And I think if we have these conversations more often with those that are making those laws and making those determinations, really our voice is able to be heard, which is important. And I don't want to be a part of one of those companies that just sits back and lets people make the rules. We like to be uh, heavily involved in that to make sure that people know where we're coming from and what our customers need. And having that flexibility, like you mentioned, to be able to get outside and really improve the overall human experience, that's really what life is all about, having fun and getting out there, getting some exercise. And I think this pandemic has actually changed the way that people are viewing physical activity overall. I couldn't agree with you more. I've never thought this was the case. And when we set up our business model, we were going to ship our bikes fully built to the customers. And I felt that a lot of our customers were going to be a little bit you know, older people like mine. You know, I'm 53. I'm starting to get sore joints and I'm starting to you know, think, you know, I would love to ride, but what happens if I you know, get you know, my knee acts up again or my hip starts hurting? Well, you know what? I'm going to go with my electric bike. I can, get, I can choose. But what was more important, you know, I choose how much exercise I want and how much, um, you know, I've always got this backup power that I can get me home or get me to where I'm going. But what really surprised me was how, and, and the pandemic also helped with that, is it's kind of leveled the playing field. It's made me be able to ride with my partner more often. You know, I was a big athlete and I wanted to do a bunch of different stuff. But as I got older, we have these different levels of skill. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she's a bit more fitter than I am. And sometimes, you know, I'm a little bit fit or she's a bit injured or she's carrying my, the sun on the back of her bike and I'm carrying the chairs or she's carrying the towels in the, in the cooler box and I'm carrying. And the nice thing about this electric bike is actually getting couples. So now we're shipping more than 35% of our bikes are dual bikes, two bikes, which has reduced our overall shipping cost. So we can still ship these bikes across the country at an affordable rate. Because we just see, we, we never thought this, but well, what a lovely way for couples and families to do things together. Almost like the golf handicap kind of thing. Well, golf is so probably popular. So many people can play and have fun because it kind of levels the playing field. And you know, these are the small little nuances that filter in through happiness within the family, happy withinness in the community. You know, these adventures, the outdoors part of it, the clean energy part of it, the no parking the, the, the utility of going down to the to within a five mile, ten mile radius of you doing doing chores on your bike together. These are the small little things that people like yourself at Area thirteen, which is you know, and 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 you know, electric bike all the people and, and, and all the brands, the more the merrier I often say. And if we can get out there and educate everybody on all these other these aspects, yeah, I think the future is bright for all of us. It absolutely is. Recently, you had a testimonial. I love this. This is from Jerry W. He says that it is the finest e-bike available. He's 82 years old and he has some health problems, but with the bike, he can now enjoy the sport and get some beneficial exercise. And he's just raving about his experience. So yeah, you're appealing to those that maybe haven't gone gotten on a bike in forever And he also referred his friend, Jack, who's 84. So 
that's just so exciting to see that you're getting yeah. people of all ages out there and they're not afraid to go get some exercise and just experience life, even if they're in their 80s. 100%. You know, the, the guys are, well, you know, jump on the motorbike if you want to, or get in a car, or go walking or something. There's something about a bicycle, and, you know, that, that, that once you get out there, you've got the freedom. You don't have to go now into this whole long thing of getting your license plates and getting your massive big helmets and closing up shop and, and sort of just getting out there in the busy traffic. You want to kind of ride where the bikers are. Yeah, you're a little bit older. You still want to be able to maybe go with your grandson or your son or keep up to with your wife. Or e-bikes have have and, and it's not a complicated process and it's safe, it's reliable, it's it's funny. It, it, then it can appeal to the wide range of people, particularly yes, stories like that. Thanks for reading that. That's the untold pleasures or, or rewards that you get seeing somebody come in and then doing all the work, you know, building a bike from scratch and having, you know, we now we've, we used to have a thousand parts now with our paint and all our rest of other things, we've got over 2000 parts and now we're servicing our bikes more and more small little, little pins here and there. Now it's getting closer to 3000 parts and having them all in our different areas and you know, supporting our, our dealers. So it's a big undertaking. You're waiting, hopefully that the orders come through each day and we, we're very excited and paint it and we build it and we ship it. It's a long, long process, and we, we strive to be perfect, but we never, you know, we never unfortunately are perfect, and we keep up, and we do all these things day in and day out, and, you know, we've got 48 builders, and we are all our engineers, and our customer service, and, you know, we obviously make money, and we and it's satisfying, but seeing, you know, an 84-year-old person or elderly folks or even young kids say, you know, send us testimonials, but, yes, very, that's really where, the incredible reward is in doing what we're doing. You know, we could have chosen a lot of different industries and I, and I, and I bet there's obviously, you know, people in their industry also get those rewards, but particularly in the e-bike business, seeing somebody that you changed their lives, you got them back out again, they're able to exercise in a safe way and they feel confident to go out there with our bikes. Uh, thank you for, for reading that. It, it does make me even feel proud now and happy now. So thank you for that. Of course. And I know based on our experience in the e-bike industry, those that get an e-bike, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even in your 80s, those people that are active are going to stay active because they're having fun. They're able to move. Their joints aren't tightening up. Their arthritis is alleviated. There's just so many benefits of riding e-bikes. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it's all about, our customers and making sure that they feel taken care of. Yeah. One of the things, you know, there's, of course, from a, from an industry specific thing or a brand specific, you know, you buy a beach cruiser or you buy a bike and it stays in the garage and, it's, you know, the, the tires get deflated and, you know, rush to might start happening. And, you know, you go, oh my goodness, I can ride down to the beach and now I'm going to ride back. I've got to pump up the tires. I've got to do all this kind of stuff. You know, one of the things that we try to do is make the barriers to entry or the choice between take, picking up your keys or going into the garage or going into grabbing your bike and, and taking your bike. How are we going to make that excuse or that sort of barrier as minimal as possible? And I think e-bikes that are, you know, that, that, that are reliable, that, you know, don't rust and, you know, you've got safe brakes. And you've got, you know, when you switch it on, it turns on. And if it doesn't, for some unknown reason, you're going to fix it immediately. 
you know that you're going to have a fun time going down to the beach or down to your or to your grocery store to your friend's house or to the restaurant or whatever you do or to the, doing your chores and you're going to get there and you're going to get back and you don't have to it, it's going to cost you 10 cents if that on energy costs yeah it, this train has left the station as far as e-bike the business now it's it's up to us all in the industry and i think you guys at area 13 are doing a phenomenal job with that too let's uh yeah let's keep evolving it we are long for, for that and we'll contribute as best we can too. Thank you. I appreciate that feedback. There's one more testimonial I'd like to mention based on basically what we were talking about. This is from Patrick. Our family gets filled with gas, gratitude, awareness, and service every time we ride these incredibly well-designed built and service machines. And that's really simple. That's really memorable. And it's a really good analogy for the e-bike business and what you're doing is helping them find more gratitude, awareness, and service. And I think that's really what you stand for. You're here for your customer. You're not going to just build a bike to build a bike. And you make sure that what you're putting out there is safe and that they have support. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, again, thank you. When you said you're going to read a testimonial, you read a good one, the first one. I was hoping, okay, I hope you this one's also good. Two of the row is great. But yes, you know, speaking as the founder, or, you know, of, of Electric Bike Company, I've got the, you know, the, the honor of able to represent uh, the brand. And of course, it's a team effort. You know, when I started the business, as I say, I retired, I was, just, you know, kind of walking on the beach. You know, my late brother was a professional tennis player. He said, you know, the best place to live in the world is, is of course, America. You know, he's a big American fan, so am I. In Southern California, he said, you know, you're going to love the weather. It's very really similar to South African weather. And I started, uh, you know, sitting and going around thinking, okay, what am I going to do with my life? And then I started this business and I started building the bikes myself. I, you know, I put the bikes apart, went to all our different suppliers, started putting this thing together. And as we started evolving and the business got busier and busier, now we, you know, have over 100 people. We've got like a talented staff. These, you know, that gas, that that whole gratitude and, you know, the, the awareness, you know, just having those kinds, that kind of feedback. I'm just a spokesman for an unbelievable team and allowing our team to see what we're actually doing and there's something good about it. There's something more than just the success of it or the money side, building something, manufacturing something and giving it to a customer and, and seeing these type of feedback is priceless. So, yeah, thanks for that. Of course. Thank you so much for listening today. We love sharing more about e-bikes and the people behind the brands with you. So if you have a guest suggestion, email us at info at area13ebikes.com. And if you want to share how you're getting involved in your e-bike community or what you want to hear about next, let me know. Don't forget to check the show notes for helpful links to get a bike, join the community, sell an e-bike, and so much more. Thanks for joining us today. See you next week.